Hello, welcome to the Pretty Deadly Podcast. I'm Susie Colick, the creator of Pretty Deadly Self-Defense, a self-empowerment program through self-defense. I'm a storyteller, a violent crime survivor, and a martial artist. I use these experiences to develop a program that's tailored for the way women actually learn, the things we actually face, and that's actually fun. Well, I think it's fun. We do too. These are some of our Pretty Deadly Self-Defense Certified Trainers. Hi, I'm Serena. Hi, I'm Shelby. And I'm Marilise. They're in LA, and I'm in Berlin. And there are a lot of miles between us. So what do you do if there isn't a Pretty Deadly Self-Defense course near you? Well, we put some basic techniques in an app. Which you can download from our website, prettydeadlyselfdefense.com. But we thought it would also be a good idea to take some of the self-defense questions we're most frequently asked and put it in the podcast. Welcome to the Pretty Deadly Self-Defense Podcast. Welcome to episode 61. This week we're talking about what to do if you suspect you're being followed. So I have this question very often, um, mostly when I'm coming home and it's night and it's dark. And you don't really want to turn around, but you have that feeling that maybe somebody's there in the shadows or there is, you know, a couple people walking behind you and you turn a corner and they happen to turn a corner and then you turn another corner and they turn it too. And you can't tell if it's just you're going toward the same direction because it's not like you're in an isolated area. Maybe you're in downtown or you're in a crowded a neighborhood with a lot of houses. So they could be going to their house and you just don't know them but you also don't know if you're being followed. And we don't have these superhero abilities to just blast off in the sky and laser beam them or like slink into shadows and jump out back at them and scare them off like Black Panther or Superman or Batman. But what do we do if we're convinced we're being followed, but we don't feel safe to confront them? That's a that's an interesting point, and I'm glad that you ended your question with that of, you know, when we don't feel safe to confront them, because I think a lot of people don't, a lot of men um, don't realize how difficult that is for a woman to turn around and confront someone that she is afraid is following her, like how much that may escalate a situation or just put us in greater danger. So it's not always possible. And I'm glad that you mentioned that, or it's maybe not even always wise. I have a lot of thoughts about that. Does anyone else have thoughts? I do. Um, I started walking to school by myself when I was nine years old and I walk a lot of places late at night, early in the morning, 3am, whatever, by myself in LA now Um, and so I've come up with, you know, just over the course of my, whatever history of walking alone by myself as a female, small female, um, or at times young female. And so I have definitely noticed that if you, I like to use, um, intersections and streetlights as a nice way to just kind of like, every time I reach an intersection, I stop and I do just look around. I pretend that I'm looking at cars, um, or to see what the traffic is like. And I take a peek at what is behind me on the sidewalk. I use that as an opportunity to look behind me. Um, the age old, if you're ever in a car and you feel like you're being followed, they were telling us in driver's ed that like, go around the block. 
And if that car does a complete circle with you, well, then yeah, they're not go- <laughs> they're not going someplace <laughs> coincidentally in the same direction. They're definitely following you, which can also be used, especially if you're in a city downtown block situation. Um, you can just walk around the block if you see the same people behind you the second time around. That's very problematic. And then just go into the busiest like restaurant store, um, books shop, whatever, um, that you can find and don't go home for sure. If you really feel like you're being followed, don't go to your house or to an isolated location. Um, those are my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? I, I was going to hang, hang back out of this a little bit because I'm one of the few people that unfortunately my go-to is confrontation. So <laughs> turning around and, and, and confronting somebody is, is a little bit too easy for me. So, <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, sometimes people want to feel empowered to do that. So when you, when you do feel like turning around and confronting someone, what do you do to ensure that you're confronting them, but you're also keeping yourself safe. Mm. Yeah. Usually I make sure that there's distance between me and the person first and foremost. Um, Mm -hmm. And that there's a, uh, you know, there's a place I can go to. Um, Sometimes you don't have that. Sometimes you're kind of blocked, you know, in an area where you don't have too many other places you can go to. But one thing that I found that works, and this actually happened to me, with a person who was um, who was a schizophrenic person, we found out later who had gone off their medication, and he uh, started following me. I was walking my dog, and uh, my I had a little I had a big dog and a little dog, and of course, this was the moment I had the little dog. <laughs> um, so he kept asking me questions. He kept asking me questions. He kept asking me questions and following me. And finally, I just turned around, and I wasn't angry, but I was really direct and firm. And I said, you need to talk to the building manager and not me. And he kind of like just stopped, like it disrupted whatever was going on. And he walked away from me. Now, later, he ended up actually knocking on everybody's apartment doors and the fire trucks had to come and take him off the rooftop and all sorts of stuff. But um, that moment of just I don't know, for me, there's this anger that kind of fills me in that moment of being like, you need to leave me alone now, you know? And that tends to, when I've had that experience, this isn't everybody's experience, but when I've had it, it kind of stops them in their tracks because they're not expecting you to to say anything. But, But for me, in order... I always make sure there was distance between me and the person. I didn't want him kicking my dog or anything like that. I always knew when I did it, I was going to be able to go to my apartment quickly where my husband was, where I knew other people in the building. Um, you know, I just, I had a way out. So if things didn't go well, you know, but the timing of it was totally subconscious. It wasn't some uh, conscious decision I made. It was just, mm-hmm. that's my, my gut reaction to it a lot of times. Well, I feel like what you're what you're talking about in some way, though, is you you turn around and confront when you know that you are safe in some way in the sense of whether it's because there's a lot of distance um, only or because there is distance. Plus, you know, you're not far from home. Plus, you have, you know, a, a, a bunch of different things that are either at your disposal or that you can easily get to to keep yourself safe. And I I've talk to a lot of people 
over the course of teaching self-defense who often do want to turn around and confront. I think that anger that we feel is often, um, it's that it's a bit of a violation. It's like, you know, who do you think you are? Why can't I just walk down the street without feeling afraid for God's sake? And it's, it's frustrating and people do want to, to occupy their own space without constantly living under threat. But I feel that it's important to remember that when we do that, or if we want to do that, it's when we have a lot of other safety measures already in place. So it is coming from a safe, a place of safety. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. Cause I have, I have another incident that happened to me where it was completely different. Um, there are three gentlemen who started following me out of a grocery store. I was by myself. Um, I was a lot younger. Um, and I, I had this flash moment. I don't, know how to describe where my whole body knew something was very wrong and that mm-hmm. some something dangerous was about to happen and I remember walking to my car trying to get to my car quickly just being like please let there be somebody out here please let there be somebody out here and somebody did like pull up but that was total luck you know um and so I didn't really know what to do at that time and I was just trying to get to my car you know I thought if I could just get in my car really quick and lock the door that would at least be something you know this came up in a in a in a class once. Um, I mean, it's come up more than once, obviously, because this is something that we deal with a lot as women, especially. Um, but somebody brought it up and said, "You know, what do I do?" And her example from her life, which, if she's listening, I hope it's okay to share this. Of course, nobody knows her name, so I guess it's all right. Um, her example was she had just been traveling in Morocco. So she was she was participating in the um, self defense for solo travel course, and she had been, just been in Morocco and she was wandering kind of through the the market area at night, which is very mazy, mostly with um, just closed doors. You know, there's a lot of walls and there's closed doors, and and it's a very enclosed space, or the, maybe not the market area, but the old town. I've never been to Morocco, but from when I'm trying to recall of her story. And she said she was being followed. Um, And she was being followed for quite some time and was starting to strategize, you know, like if I, she had a backpack with her and she thought if I, if I leave the backpack in this corner, she happened to know the area. So if I leave my backpack in this corner, I can maybe come back and pick it up later. She knew that there was like a little turn up ahead where she could kind of escape into a more open area. And that's what she did. But what I found interesting was her question of, you know, I was, and I think a lot of us do this. I was walking along and and I knew I was being followed and I didn't want to show fear. So her real question wasn't so much like, what do I do? Her question was, when do you run? And my answer to that is immediately, immediately, because if you believe that you are not showing fear through your stiffened back and your slowed pace and everything about your body, which is actually showing fear to the people behind you, you are fooling only yourself. The people who are following you know very well that you are afraid. They can read the fear in your body and they're probably enjoying it. What they're not expecting is for you to break into a run. 
So even if they chase you, they're gonna, there's going to be a couple second delay simply because they're surprised. They have to get over their surprise before they start running. So that doesn't seem like that's going to be a really long time or a really big deal in a self-defense situation. But as we know, even in martial arts and self-defense, three seconds can mean all the difference in the world. So my feeling is when you know you're being followed or you suspect you're being followed and you don't feel comfortable confronting the person, um, that moment that tells you to run, run. And I think what Shelby's saying as well, like find a well-lit place, find a populated area, um, jump in the, you know, jump in uh, into a mini mart or here in Berlin, it's called the Speti, you know, uh, the, these small little stores that are open all night, anywhere where it's lit, where there are other people, whether it's a bar or a cafe or anything. I think in your instance, Serena, where it's in a parking lot where people are following you, getting into your car and locking the doors is, is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, that was, I didn't feel so at the time. I was just like, what could I do? Um, right. Yeah. I mean, and, and uh, I was very scared. Um, but uh, I, you know, I just remember seeing that, that person and being like, Oh my gosh, okay. There's at least someone else there. And they broke off. They broke off right. as soon as the, the other person showed up. Right. And we can't always do that too, can't yeah. we? I mean, we can always walk up to a stranger if we feel safe doing so and simply saying like, I think these people are following me. Please um, act like you know me. I've had that happen um, where I, actually I didn't approach somebody else, but a guy approached me um, because he thought that I thought, and I did. Um, there was this guy behind me walking um, from the Metro and he was loud and aggressive and everything. And he was going the same way as I was. And so somebody else saw me looking nervous, um, or, you know, not super nervous, but like consistently checking behind me on where this guy was. And he approached me and he was like, Hey, do you want me to walk up the street with you? And, um, I was like, yeah, if you don't mind, that would be really great. Cause I mean, and I literally had my martial arts stuff in my bag with me, but I was like, you know, better, better not to engage than to have to like, you know, um, so yeah, that guy approached me and asked it. now, granted, he's also somebody I don't know. And now he's walking with me, but, um, you know, as long as he was a deterrent for somebody else, that was really helpful for me. Um, and it was a very public crowded street anyway. So I was able to leave that guy at the restaurant that he was going toward and go on my merry way by myself, but it was helpful. Right. I would say, I, I, I want to share one quick story about that, which isn't quite the same as being followed down the street, but um, kind of like your experience, Shelby, of coming out of the subway and somebody following you. Um, I was on the train once here in Germany in the subway and just happened to notice this guy across from me who is this really big bruiser dude. Like literally his knuckles were bruised. Um, I don't know what he did for a living, but it didn't look very legal. However, he was this, <laughs> but he was a super big guy and he was also yawning a lot and he was on the phone with somebody. And so it looked like he was on his way home from whatever illegal things he got up to during the night. And what I also noticed about him is that at some point, um, these two people got on the train. One person was in a wheelchair 
And he was watching them with a really soft look on his face. He was really moved by the way that these two people interacted with great care for each other. Um, and I thought, oh, that's an interesting thing. That so he has a bit of a soft spot and 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 possibly a bit of an idea of nobility, you know, a protective nobility. So that was kind of my observations. That was it. When I stepped off the train um, onto the into the station where I was connecting to a different train, a man got off the train that I hadn't seen before at the same time, and he eyed me, and he was dangerous. Like, you know, like you just, I just had that sense like, oh, this man is dangerous and he's, he's, he's spotted me. I'm his target for whatever reason. It was completely random. And I thought, well, I need to get away from this guy as quickly as possible. So I went down to the lower platform. You go down these stairs and I didn't see the guy that was dangerous. He had somehow like, I lost him for a second in the crowd, but I thought, am I still really safe? But I did see the big bruiser guy. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to stand behind this guy. <laughs> he doesn't, he's not really paying attention to me. He doesn't really, he kind of like looked a little bit, but it, like I didn't really register too much on his radar, which was totally fine. But, and then I did, as I looked down the platform, I saw like the, the dangerous guy coming towards me, right? You know, he was quite far away, so he didn't see me, but he was coming towards me. He was definitely looking for someone to do whatever he wanted to do to them. And I thought, well, if he's going to be violent, he's got to get through this big guy first. <laughs> and then he's going to go through me. No, none of these people know that I know how to defend myself. But, you know, kind of the same thing, Shelby. Like, you know, better not to engage. And I thought I'd rather put this big, like, mountain of a man in between me and this other guy. <laughs> not only a mountain of a man, but a mountain of a man who obviously, like, you know, judging by the rings on his fingers and the bruises on his knuckles and everything about him. He's been in a couple of scraps, I would say. So I think that's okay too. I think it's also okay if you, um, if there are other people around and you feel like you're being followed or you're feeling you're like you're in a vulnerable situation, find somebody bigger, put them in between you and the person who's following you. Shadow them or, you know, I mean, it's, it's half the time they won't even notice. You know, if you don't feel comfortable walking up to them and saying, you know, I've, I think I'm being followed. Would you please just pretend to know me? Just keep that bigger person in between you and the other guy. You know, and remember that they're also blocking views. So you were talking, Marilise, about how we're not superheroes, you know, where we can like, you know, leap out of the area or hide in shadows and then jump out at people. But neither are the other people, neither are the, I, I don't like to use the term bad guys because it's so simplistic, but in this case, I'll use it. Neither are the bad guys. And that means that if you are positioning yourself so that there's a bigger person in between you and whoever's following you, that bad guy can't see through that bigger person. They don't have x-ray vision. So you can use that bigger person as a decoy to walk in front of them for a bit and then run off in a different direction. And the person who you suspect is following you will never know because, again, they don't have x-ray vision. So superpowers, maybe not. Strategic thinking, situational awareness, absolutely. 
Yeah. No, I think uh, there, that actually reminded of one thing that I had noted for, for myself that I, I, and this was a play situation. This wasn't quite a pursuing situation, but um, I was running from a friend. I was running from a friend and, you know, they were chasing me and I went, I turned a corner and then I went immediately into a door, door alcove and then put went up against the sidewall and was very, very quiet. And they ran straight past me and they couldn't figure out where I went. And, and so it's interesting because sometimes, especially if someone's running after you, pursuing you, they get a little tunnel vision <laughs> and they don't see what's on the sides. Um, but um, that was definitely an experience because they were like trying to figure out where the heck I had gone, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't magic. <laughs> it was just hiding. Right. That's right, and we do that in movies a lot. Where like yep. I, I see like, and then they magically pick the right path, and I'm like, "There's no way!" Like the pursuer, uh-huh. you know, the pursuant right. just ducked around a corner, and you know what would have reasonably been an escape, but then the pursuant like magically picks the right corner and like finds yeah. them and goes through the six doorways to get to them, and it's like that's yeah. not like no, no, they can't find you that fast. <laughs> you that fast? Like they have a tracking beam on you. But I think, but I think what you're saying, Serena, is um, is a really good point that goes back to what we learn in ninjutsu, which is step off the line. Yep, that's that's absolutely true, right there. That's what I did. I got out of the line, so they couldn't figure out where I was. <laughs> right, and I think we can do that too. I mean, I think it's a little bit different when it's scenarios that. Shelby was talking about, you know, like walking home at 3 a.m. and there's nobody around and yeah. it's, you can step off the line, but they're going to see you because there's yeah. no one else there's there. No pla- yeah. Right. But I, but I do think that in those situations, so now we've got like a lot of different kind of options to, to use, but I think all of those are really useful. And yeah. I know for me, I tend to gaslight myself afterwards. Um, I hope other people do not. But in case you do, there is no way to verify whether that person was actually going to come up and stalk and attack you until that happens. Um, you know, except in select situations like Serena's where like it was very like no one else around. They were coming for her. But like it's very you don't ever like feel bad for assuming that somebody is following you and making the moves necessary to make sure that they don't continue to follow you um, because you can't verify that they were or were not following you until they've actually attacked you. So um, unfortunately, if you're safe, you're on, you know, there is occasionally for me, the self-doubt, well, maybe they weren't actually like intending to follow me or whatever, but I'm at the end of the day, I'm still alive, still glad that I'm safe, you know? Um, So in case that helps anyone. Yeah, but I think, and I think you're right, you know, and I think it's also good to remember that if they weren't following you, they also don't know you. And they also may not have even recognized the fact that you were taking evasive tactics. You know, for them, it was, it's just a, they were just taking a walk. There was someone in front of them and now there's not, you know, and and they're never going to find out you know, that you avoided them or evaded them or that you suspected them of anything. Yeah. I think the point there's, you don't need to worry about offending the person behind you. Right. The goal is not to keep them comfortable as much as to keep yourself safe and keep yourself comfortable. Exactly. Pretty Deadly Self-Defense is a self-defense program based in Berlin, but with coaches and trainers in a growing number of cities in Europe and around the world. 
If you want to join us just to take a course or to become a coach, a trainer, or even offer Pretty Deadly in your school or studio, let us know through our website at prettydeadlyselfdefense.com or find us through our app. Just search for Pretty Deadly Self-Defense in your favorite app store and download for free. And remember that all of our paid programs fund our volunteer work. So when you empower yourself, you're actually empowering another woman too. Thanks for being here. I'm Susie Collick, and you've been listening to the Pretty Deadly Podcast. See you next week.